Hey, welcome to the next episode of Ball Court. My name is Coach Drew. This is the world of basketball, and this world is still spinning right here on Ball Court. Hello, boys and girls, girls and boys, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Coach Drew. This is Ball Court, the world of basketball. And the world of basketball has been absolutely amazing over this last little bit. Everybody's been holding on to this whirlwind feeling. See, I'm going to be the first one to admit I was a little skeptical about a matchup final, a finals matchup of the Suns versus the Bucks. I thought to myself, okay, oh boy, here we go. The Suns are going to run right through this. This is going to be way too easy for them. But guess what? Giannis and the Bucks sold me and everybody else stay on notice. I have that Black Air Force energy. So I'm coming in and I am taking what is yours and what you feel is yours. And I'm also taking what I feel is mine. So I love this way this is going. Right now, it's turning out to be a matchup for the ages. You know, I'm watching the game, and I'm seeing that just it, it, it gives me that 90s feel. It's a, lot, it's a lot more physical than it was um, in a few finals past. But at the same point in time, the thing that I like about it is highlight play after highlight play. Let's go ahead and break it down. So right now, we're looking at this. The, the uh, series is 3-2. Yes. The Bucs are leading the series 3-2. Imagine me having to go back on the Sean Harvey show after I said that I think the – after I said that I thought the um, the Suns were going to win in six. And so now I got to go back on there and explain to them why the Bucs is the one actually winning. But let me go ahead and explain it to you first. When you stop and you take a look at game one and game two, both Chris Paul and Devin Booker showed out playing at an extra high level. But – we look at the games in game three, game four, and even game five. When we stop and we take a look. All right, let's look at game three. Game, first of all, game three, man, the Bucks came out. They said, hey, we're at home now. They came out and they played hard. It was a phenomenal game. Of course, they're gonna, they went up, took that one on. Now, game four, this was a pivotal game for them because Chris Paul, being the leader that Chris Paul is, was actually stepped up and he was playing pretty good in game four. Now, close to the end, when it was time for decisions to be made, I'm not going to question anybody's decision. He's a, you know, he's an NBA high-level point guard. So I'm not questioning his decision on if he should have passed or he should have shot, but I definitely could have felt, I definitely felt by just seeing the video that there was some openings and there were some areas of opportunity that Chris Paul actually let slip away. That, that concerned me a little bit in game four, but going into game five, Devin Booker, now we all know the play that we're speaking of. In those last few seconds of the game, it's the last closing seconds of the game, you are looking for a shot. They're keying in on Devin Booker. Literally, they had three people around him and then Drew Holiday coming in to help. So that was four people within his vicinity, and the ball remained in his hands until Drew Holiday took it out and threw to that amazing alley-oop that everybody has been playing over and over again that had the whole of Milwaukee standing up, going crazy. So these are one of them things that you sit back and you watch and you say, okay, these are the slight mistakes that could be improved. But let me tell you why I feel the Suns are going to win game six. Now, when you take a look at this, you got Cam Johnson, 
great shooter. He's been shooting about 47% from the three-point line during this uh, time. And he has been playing phenomenal. But Monty Williams, the great uh, strategist that he is, is going to sit down and put together a new plan, a brand new plan. And this is going to help, you know, either free up Cam Johnson or free up Devin Booker. Now, one thing that they don't want to do is get Devin Booker freed and get him going and get him started. But that's where Chris Paul is going to have to be the catalyst. Chris Paul, I feel, is going to have to revert. Yes, he's going to have to revert back to the Chris Paul that used to play for the Hornets. And, and not the Charlotte Hornets either. I'm talking the New Orleans Hornets. The ones that there was a that was a move due to the whole thing with Katrina. You know, that Hornets team, that's, what, that's the Chris Paul we need to see. The person who's going to be dishing the ball, moving the ball around. But as time progresses, of course, our game progresses. So 10 years ago was a lot different than it is now. He is playing at a higher level than he was 10 years ago. But still, in order for them to win, he has to become the facilitator that he could be. Make the key shots, force people into making bad decisions, and put Giannis in foul trouble. Now, I'm going to be the first one to say it. I don't think that Giannis is the star of that team. I think Giannis is the Robin right now. The Batman is Chris Middleton. Chris Middleton has been the catalyst. When Chris Middleton actually plays his level and he drops 40 points or drops 30 points, they're in a great position to win. Now, of course, Giannis has been doing his 40-point thing throughout the whole throughout this whole final. But well, if we're going to sit down and talk about it. If the Bucs win, of course we know that Giannis is going to get the MVP if the Bucs win. But truly, this is going to be something that's going to be extremely debatable if Chris Middleton should have deserved that MVP over Giannis. Now, we we do know right now in, in this situation, if Cam Johnson continues shooting the way that he's shooting, playing the way that he's playing, if the Suns win, I would give it to Cam. Wouldn't you? This is something to think about, you know? I want to go ahead and jump on to the next topic. You know, now, this topic to me is something that, you know, it touches my heart a little bit. Now, of course, so you know it's a Lakers conversation right now. And this is a Lakers conversation that people in Portland don't want to have. Yes, Dame time. Dame time. Kronos might be teaming up with the King. And he's going, and it, there is some, how should I put it? There is some rumor spreading that he might team up with the King. Now, if anybody understands right now, the position of Dame Lillard is that he's been in Portland forever and he's they've they've had Lamarcus Aldridge got rid of him they 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 have players they added players they tried to build around him they got mellow and everything but it seems to me that Portland is the Portland is to Dame Willard what Minnesota was to Kevin Garnett he did all he could do there there was nowhere else he could grow there's nothing else that could be added around him so why waste your entire career not knowing if you can get a ring? Now, I feel that Dame is at that time where he's he's looking for a ring. And there's a couple teams that are interested in a Dame Lillard trade. Of course, you know, the New York Knicks are interested in a Dame Lillard trade. They want anybody, especially if they've been in the league for over 10 years. Why do they do that? I don't know. But they they just want somebody. They, they want Dame Lillard. We all want Dame Lillard. And, of course, Dame Lillard has been piquing a little bit of interest looking into the L.A., causing, you know, a lot of buzz around the league. Now, 
let me ask you a question. Do you, can you imagine a team? Now, we saw the Lakers last year without Rajon Rondo, without having a uh, no-knock no at Dennis Schroeder, but Dennis Schroeder is not a Rondo-level point guard. And we saw how the Lakers were uh, easily beat in the first round by the Suns without having a dominant point guard. So if we add a Dame Lillard, a person who pretty much, hit, he got parking lot range. And what I mean by parking lot range, he could step out of his car in the parking lot and start shooting and probably hit about, I would say, about 70% of those shots. I'm just saying, he's that good. He's on that level. So if you can add uh, LeBron James to what he to what Dame Lillard does, or you can add Anthony Davis to what Dame Lillard does, it takes a lot of pressure off of everybody else. It allows role players to be the key role players, such as like Kyle Kuzma. He could be a real role player. Now, there's also talks of Lonzo Ball possibly going back to the Lakers. So, obviously, right now the Lakers are point guard hunting. They're looking for the best point guard or a good point guard duo. Now, here's what I would like to see. Maybe because, you know, I've been a fan of the Ball family for a little bit of, a little bit of time, but here's what I want to see. I want to see Dame Lillard, of course, as a starting point guard for the Lakers. But I want to see Lonzo coming off the bench. This way, it gives no team any kind of reprieve. And he's, and, and Lonzo's been in the lab this, over the summer, so I think that it would be a huge benefit if we can make the trade. So I'm asking those people upstairs over at the Lakers organization, get to work. Let's see what we can do. Let's see who we can offer. I'm, I'm willing to give up Dennis Schroeder myself. You know, let's see what we can offer. Let's try and make that happen. All right, now. Let's go ahead and hand out a couple of roses. I need to hand out a few roses myself. First rose that I want to hand out is to Nate McMillan. Congratulations, Nate McMillan. You were his name, the Hawks' permanent head coach. Now, when he was interim head coach, you saw what he was doing. He brought the Hawks further than they could ever go before. If anybody was in Madison Square Garden, of course, you saw what Trey Young was doing, you know, taking a bow. And it does help that, um, Nate McMillan did have a Trey Young, but still, all in all, that team was playing well above their level, well above their level. And that comes from great coaching. They stayed involved. They were a very young team playing on a very high level. They stayed involved. They, his, the way that he does things, the way that he moves around, I find him to be one of the better coaches in the league. I don't understand how come it took so long for him to become the head coach over there. He was interim coach for pretty much most of the year, and he should have offered him that contract. But now he got a nice little four-year deal. Congratulations, coach. And trust me, I remembered you when you was out in Seattle, killing it, lighting it up in Seattle, naming Millen Gorn, alongside Sean Kemp and Gary Payton, and you were doing your thing as a player. So as a coach, as a coach, I'm glad to see how that translates. I'm glad to see that you're able to take those experiences that you had being in the Pacific Northwest and bring them down to Atlanta and you got everybody jumping around and your team looks excited. It's like, wow, the team got the energy, they're giving the energy off to the people and that's why you deserve that four years. So congratulations, Nate McMillan, on your four years and guess what? I'm going to go ahead and take a short little break. We're going to be right back with a little bit more ball court and we're going to take a coach's look at some of the great things that are happening right now in the league. Stick with me right here on Ball Court. I am Coach Drew.
I want to welcome everybody back to Ball Court. I am your host, Coach Brew. This is the world of basketball. And speaking of the world of basketball, since we are talking about the world of basketball, let's go ahead and take a look at the world's basketball team. Yes, USA has put together an Olympic team in, to go ahead and compete in Tokyo. Now, before any of you get out your Michael Jordan comparisons to the Dream Team, or any of you Kobe stands and LeBron stands, get out your comparisons for the Redeem team. This is not that same team. I want to take a closer look at it because when I look at this team, the way that this team is made up, clearly I can, I can see that they have been made up to be not entertaining, but more of um, a coach's like it. See, a lot of coaches, the way that we – the way that we prefer to have a team is we want to have a couple stars on the team just way to keep the things moving. We want to have a couple role players who understand that they're role players. And then we want to have a couple of the gritties. Yes, the gritties. What I mean by the gritties is the ones that's going to dive on the floor for the 50-50 ball. Um, the one that's going to go up there, grab rebounds, bump bodies, you know, bump, you know, get ugly with it. You know, they're, they're gritty about their game. That's what a coach normally looks for. As, as, as a coach myself, when I'm putting together a team, these are the things that I look for. But I've been spoiled. I grew up during the time of watching the Dream Team. I grew up watching Angola look at Michael Jordan and the rest of the team in pure and utter shock. They were scared to be out there. It looked like... Uh, uh, middle school, uh, a little middle school team showing up at EYBL going against the Brony event. That's how it used to look. But now, now when we take a closer look at this uh, this team, and I'm not basing it over what has not happened yet because they just flew out for Tokyo yesterday. I'm basing it more of, uh, of over those exhibition games. And yes, I do say that exhibition games, they were just that. Those games didn't mean as much to uh, them than it meant to us. It meant the world to us because what we saw was weakness. I saw a chink in the armor. You know, when, when I saw them play against Nigeria, they didn't look explosive. Even when I take a look at the overall stats from four games, the lead scorer is averaging 17 points a game. And that is Dane Lillard. Come on, holla at you, boy. Come on over here to the, you know, come on over here to... Uh, go to L.A., enjoy it. It's beautiful. But, yes, Dame Lillard was one twenty-seven. He dropped 17. The next scorer, of course, you know, was Kevin Durant. He's one of the probably the best scorers out there. He was averaging 16.3. Now, like I said, that these were exhibition games. These weren't like uh, games that, that it was a must win for them. But when I stop, I look at, I look at Nigeria. Nigeria, they lost Nigeria 87 to 90. Yes, 87 to 90. And it's, it was one of those situations where you looked at Nigeria and was like, okay, they were hype. They were looking to play. They came out. They were running the ball. They spread the floor. They attacked the basket. They did all of the things that you would expect the U.S. to do. As a matter of fact, even Kevin Durant got blocked in that game. It was like they had a second level of energy that, to be honest, the U.S. did not have. And then when I take a look at uh, the Australia game, the Australia game, we lost 83-91 to 91 in that game. And 
the U.S. just looks a lot slower than Australia. And don't get me wrong, I know Patty Mills is a phenomenal point guard. He's very quick. He gets the ball up. He's able to make key passes to keep a defense off balance. I'm not taking anything away from Australia's team. But what I am saying is who outside of, let's say, the first six players, the top six players on that team, outside of them, when you really sit back and you really look at that squad and you really pick it apart, you think to yourself, how, how, do they, how do they fit? How does it work? How are these considered some of the best top athletes that is out right now before us? I, I'm, not, and I'm not speaking of the Jason Tatums, you know, the Zach Levines, because, you know, they're jumping out of the roof. I'm, I'm talking more of, like, uh, like the Darius Garland. The Dakota uh, Matthias. The, the people who clearly could have uh, been replaced by somebody else. Now, even in the win over Argentina, which was pretty much the biggest win that we had during these exhibition games, was a 108-80 win. They looked good. Hands down, they definitely looked good. But they did not look like the USA team that dominates everybody. So that led me to believe that this is probably something, there's something different about this team. Even with Spain, we beat Spain 83 to 76. 83 to 76. I find that in our league right now, right now there's probably three athletes that I can name off the top of my head that is more explosive and could have uh, generated a lot better results. You know, and, and let's let's take a look. As a matter of fact, I'm going to go ahead and talk more about it. Check out my article on CWNSports.com. We're going to talk a little bit more about it and find out why those three that I could just clearly name that are more explosive, why aren't they on there? So we're going to take a deeper look into that. Go ahead and check that out at CWNSports.com. You know, it's, it's, it's I feel that it's a must that you look at that because... Without that, you're not going to have the understanding of what I'm saying. It's, it's just that crazy right now, you know? And let me go ahead and tell you the three athletes that I'm talking about. LaMelo Ball, John Moran, and Trey Young. How come they weren't on the Olympic team? Just LaMelo Ball alone, the explosiveness of LaMelo Ball, and the way that he dominated Australia during the time that he was playing in Australia. He dominated the entire country of Australia when he was playing there. I would have put him on there just for that to see him play against Australia. I would have wanted to see John Morant attack the hole and, and show them his athleticism in, um, against Nigeria because that's what Nigeria was doing. They were attacking. They were athletic. They were explosive. And I felt John Morant could have matched that. Probably even do better than him, you know? And, and Trey Young. Can you imagine Trey Young in that game against uh, uh, against Argentina when we went 108 to 80? He would have been taking a bow everywhere. You know, it would have been an amazing performance. He would have been pulling up, and the game would have translated. I, I definitely think it would have. But go ahead and read the article. We're going to talk a little bit more about that in the article itself. And I'm going to move on right now. All right. Now, last time we, was, uh, last time we took a coach's look, we did speak about WNBA's Neta Ogumike and 
we spoke about that she was actually uh, left off of the Olympic team. Well, she did try and make an appeal uh, to be in the Olympics after to be on that team. Now, after the appeal was rejected, my first thought was, well, you should play for Nigeria then. Oh, and, and her, alongside Elizabeth Williams, had that thought that they were looking to possibly play for Nigeria after, being, after their appeal to be on the Olympic team was rejected. But both NECA and Elizabeth decided, no, nope. Though the appeal was rejected, they're not going to play for Nigeria. And in a way, I kind of respect that. Let me go ahead and let me go ahead and break it down. Right. With Olympic athletes, what I've noticed, especially I, I, I don't see too much in basketball, but I do see it a lot in track and field. If you're unable to make the Olympic team for uh, for the country of your choice, most of the time it's the United States, you always go back to the country of your origin to attempt to try and make the Olympic team there to say that you are an Olympian. And don't get me wrong, this is normal, common practice. I've like even when I was running track, going to the Junior Olympics, I didn't make the Junior Olympics team for the United States, and so I went back to Jamaica and I made the Junior Olympic team with them. So it's is is something that's very common that it does happen. Now, here's here's the flip side of it. Though. As a fan, you think to yourself, man, you tried out with us, and you went there as a second option, you know, and. I respect the fact that Nekka and Elizabeth decided, you know what? We'll just come back next we'll just come back next Olympics. We'll be back there next Olympics. And Diana Sarasi is not gonna have a spot forever. She probably will though. She'll probably be 90 still playing on the Olympic team. But if not, if she decides that, hey, you know what? This is not gonna be it. I'm not gonna be here forever. The spots are gonna start opening up. You can't keep on overlooking Nekka. She is one of the key scorers, key leaders in the WNBA. So eventually her time will come. And she has that popcorn mentality. Even though all the kernels are cooking at the same temperature in the same oil, she's just waiting for her chance to pop. And I respect that 100%. And that was a coach's look at the WNBA situation and NECA going into the Olympics. I got a quick word for y'all. This is a word from your coach. All right? During this time of year, this is the recruiting time. A lot of colleges are reaching out to athletes. They're watching them play AAU games. If anybody haven't been watching the EYBL, you can take a look at when you when you see Brody play, when you see Imani play. You you could you could take a look and you see how many coaches are standing around that uh that, that basketball court. These college coaches, they're not just recruiting the kids. And this, this is where my message comes in. These college coaches, they're actually recruiting the parents as well. Here's the mindset that I want you to put to it. As a parent, as an adult, is there anything that you would invest $15,000 a year without knowing anything about it? Most parents will not allow their child to go out somewhere unless they know where they're going, who they're going with, and when they're going to return. So as a college, they have to do their due diligence. They got to see what, who is the athlete that I'm investing in. So everybody's being recruited. Your friends are being recruited. Your parents are being recruited. Even the way you respond to your coach and how the relationship you have with your coach, that is being recruited too. Nobody wants to pay $15,000 a year for somebody else's problems. So parents, 
with that thought place through that thought process in mind. I, I, as a, there was a college coach who actually stated, you know, when um when asked the question, what is it the one thing that instantly turns you off from recruiting the kid? The reply was, if he can't, if I can sit there watching a game and realize who the parents are for that child by them yelling at the ref or coaching their kids from the sideline, they instantly marked off the list. Just that simple. And this is something that we all do. You know, we, we want the best for our children, so we try and overly do it. But let me tell you from an AAU's coach's point of view as well as from a parent's point of view. From an AAU coach's point of view, you want to look at it like this. To be honest, to be 100% honest, you want you don't want nobody else coaching that child but you. You want them to listen. You want them to be focused. You want them to be locked into the game. You don't want somebody yelling, hey, no, no, go there, go there. And little Johnny goes over there when he's supposed to be at another spot. Or yelling, hey, you should be doing this. Or yelling this at the ref and, and causing, taking away from what is supposed to be a learning and uh, developmental style of uh, basketball. Basketball is something that needs to be learned. And during that learning process, the culture, coaches need to cultivate a culture for these children. Now, what you're doing by yelling at the refs or yelling at the child is pulling them away from that culture and pretty much gearing them towards a culture of what you're doing. Coaches, colleges, they see this. This is not beneficial for them. Think about it like this. LaMelo Ball dropped 92 points in high school. He was a freshman at the time, very young. Dropped 92 points. Right? UCLA was willing to, they, they even offered him a scholarship. They were like, man, we want to lock this up. But due to the behavior of LaVar, they will quickly be able to rescind that scholarship. And if you're not on, if your child is not on LaMelo level, you can't act LaVarish about it and expect that they're going to succeed. LaMelo was, an, he had to go a completely different route that I guarantee if LaVar wasn't on the scene, he would not have had to do. He could have went the simple route like everybody else and made it to where he's at now. But he went a completely different route to get there. Now, I have to tell you, if your child is not as good as LaMelo Ball, take this, take that example and run with it. Do not hurt your child's chances at a better education just because you want to prove that you can coach them from anywhere. Allow them to be coached. And you don't go to their school and yell at them and say, two plus two is four, come on, come on. What are you doing? You don't do that. So well, let's not do that on the basketball court. And that was a word from the coach. First of all, I want to go ahead and thank everybody for uh, making this a very special, special ball court for me because my little man is keeping, keeping me awake. So a lot of the shows that we've been doing, we've had to do on the fly. So I want to thank y'all keeping it going for me. I want everybody to go to CWN Sports, check out the articles, check out the videos, definitely check out the show. And this way, you can make sure that you're getting everything. Go ahead and subscribe as well. 
You want to go ahead and get those contacts. Let them come in. Bing, bing, bing. When you hear those notifications, that means the coach is doing his thing. Also, when you wake up every morning, I need y'all to go ahead and check out the Sean Harvey Morning Show. It is absolutely hilarious. Sandy J, Barbie Cologne, it will keep you laughing. They will keep you rolling. And it will, you know, definitely get your day started. It's like a cup of coffee for your ears, you know? Also, also, you definitely also want to check out Let's Kick It. We got some new things coming up on Let's Kick It and some new um, conversations that are going to be taking place, especially in the sports and fashion world. I definitely want to thank you for coming out here each and every time and, you know, making us feel great when you listen to our show. We really respect it. We really do like it. But you have to make sure that you're staying on top of it, downloading those shows. So go to your Google Podcast or your Apple Podcast and go ahead and make sure that you download Ball Court. All right? I want to thank you once again. Thank you, CWM Sports. Thank you for having me on. I really do appreciate it. I will see you next time right here on Ball Court. And this is the World of Basketball. I'm the host, Coach Drew. I'll see you next time. Have a great one. This is a CWN Sports Network presentation.